0: All right, well, hey, uh, we are going to wrap up our series, King of the Jews. Everybody say, King of the Jews. Okay, who's been with us the last two Sundays? Raise your hand. No, not everybody, but raise your hand if you've been here the last two weeks. All right, hands down. Raise your hand if you've not been here the last two weeks, which looks like most of you. Okay, great. Well, all right, let me give you the last two messages real quick, uh, and then, I'm just kidding. I'm going to summarize. This phrase, King of the Jews, is taken from Matthew 2. It's when the three wise men came to Jerusalem, and they were talking to King Herod, and they said, hey, where is this King of the Jews? We've come to worship him. And uh, we've looked at that story and looked at the different responses that the King of the Jews um, brings out in people. And Some of that is worship and exaltation, which ideally is what everyone's response in this room is, but also There is a response of trouble and insecurity that can rise up. We saw that in King Herod. Then last week we had Lindsey Gore preach. Uh, Give it up for Lindsey one more time. And just gave us an incredible overview of pretty much the entire Bible. Uh, And so if you've never heard something that kind of puts the Bible into a cohesive and understandable story, then would love for you to go back and listen to that. Because this little insert of this time of the year we celebrate the birth of Jesus, it is part of a bigger story. And there is so much greater—what's um, the word? Just emphasis in why this matters so much. It's not just a cute little story and a cute little nativity scene. This is the fulfillment of prophecies that were given to us from thousands of years ago, that the Lord was faithful to make happen. And uh, it's just an incredible story. It puts a sense of awe and worship when we see it in light of the bigger story. So, we encourage you to. Um, Go back and listen to that in our podcast. And then this morning, we got Joey in just a minute is going to come up, and he's going to wrap up this series. Paige, has a couple comments on, um, you know, just the joy that it is to have people from within our church body share messages. It's just such an honor to, well, it's such a joy to honor what God has put inside of people within our church, because it's not just about listening to one guy or different pastors. It's about encouraging one another and listening to one another, honoring each other with the things that God has spoken to us. And really what it does to our church is it strengthens us, it matures us when we hear from different people. And it's a way for us to honor the different gifts that are in this house. And I'm so excited to uh, welcome up Joey. Go Come on up. Give it up for Joey Casillas. Yeah. All right. Y'all pray with me. Over Joey. So, Lord, we thank you so much for our brother. We thank you for this man of God, the blessing that he is and his family is to this church body. And, Lord, we thank you for the words you've given him. Lord, I, we pray that we would have open hearts to receive it. Lord, we want to walk out of here different, changed, more in love with you. Lord, we're not evaluating Joey on how good his message is. We are here to be made more like you. So, would you teach us something today? Open our ears today. Lord, we bless our brother. We thank you. We honor him. Would you speak through him in Jesus' name? Amen. Give it up for Joey one more time. Have
1: fun, man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. So, like Mitchell said, my name is Joey. Um, I am married to Joy. So, and she's great. She's awesome. She's beautiful. She's funny. Um, all the things. And if you don't know me, or maybe I look familiar, but you don't know why, it's probably because you've seen me on the drums multiple times, um, but obviously did not play today. Avery, you killed it. Um, I'm also a life group leader. Uh, I help lead the Amberwood Young Adult Wednesday life group, and this is my second time speaking here, and it's just as nerve-wracking as the first time. Um, But, I mean, yeah, I have something to say. Uh, And before I get into anything, I have some family here. My brother and his family came down from Illinois. So if you get a chance to meet them, meet all my, not all of my nieces, but three of my nieces. Um, And they're all great. And also, it's my brother's birthday, David. Um, I'm not going to say how old he is. He is older than me, but it's so funny that it's his birthday. And there's another birthday, Mitchell Welch. So, I'm just like double blessed to speak on both of their birthdays. And Mitchell, my present to you is you don't have to speak. So, happy birthday. You can take a Sunday off. (laughs) Uh, So, like Mitchell said, we started this um, series, King of the Jews, two weeks ago. And Mitchell said he kicked it off with what he called the worst Christmas sermon ever because he talked a lot about Herod and that troubled response people have with the birth of Jesus and just that insecurity that could arise. But also, we can respond with worship like the wise men did. And so, and like you said, Matthew chapter two is where we get that phrase, King of the Jews, and that's where he spoke a lot from. And then last Sunday, Lindsay did amazing, and she just, yeah, did that whole biblical overview narrative, which is sometimes just so helpful to be reminded that this is actually a big story. We get into so much of the theological aspects and try to dig into How can I apply this? What is this for me? So it's just so helpful to take a step back and just think this is an entire narrative that God has been writing since before time, and we are a part of it. And I, and that's kind of where I come in, is I'm going to take a look at what is our part. First of all, who is Jesus? Who was this man that was born? And why did he live the life that he did, which I'm not gonna go super deep into really any of these things. I was kind of giving the example to Joy and Lindsay. It's kind of like Lindsay last week did this like, big Google Earth, like you're looking at the entire world of the Bible, and then for me, it's like you double click on a region. So now we're looking at just Asia and Europe, and that's where I'm gonna go in. So you don't really get all the details still, but it's not the entire world. Um, So my goals this morning are, one, to remember who Jesus is, and two, hopefully stir up some hearts to just praise and glorify him. I loved all those songs that we sang this morning. So Jacob and everybody, awesome. Thanks for picking those songs because they were great. And just a super quick overview of how this morning will look is we'll start off by looking at Jesus. I'm going to read a lot of scripture. There's going to be a lot of scripture in Hedy because that's how Jesus speaks to me. So there's going to be a lot of scripture. So we're going to look at just who Jesus is, who is this man that was born. We're going to also, I'm going to read from John chapter 1 like Lindsay did. And if you're at Life Group this past week, we also looked at that at Life Group. But it's just such a good picture of Jesus. And then we'll look at more passages about descriptions like who is Jesus, what does other people say he is. And then I want to re-look at John with these new adjectives and descriptions that we just looked at. And then we'll go into why did he come? why did he die and do all these things, and um, what now? what do we do with that? Because we live in this unique time, like Jesus isn't a baby anymore, he already came, he already did everything. So what do we do now that he already came, now that he is this man that we're going to look at, what do we do with that so and I, if I had to have a main point, so to speak, um it would probably just be that the story is real. It has happened, it is currently happening, and there's events that are still to happen, and we can trust and believe all of it. Okay, so first we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 18. And as you guys turn there, uh, I'm pretty sure it'll also be on the screen, but um as i was processing what i wanted to share and how to share it similar to mitchell and Lindsay, i I kind of have been pondering this bigger story idea and just how real it is and how much we have a part in it and even now after like i said jesus already did all these things it's still just as important now than, like just as important now as it was back then literally thousands of years later Jesus is still who he is as he is. He's still a king of kings, still the Lord of lords. And that's where I kind of want to dive into. So first, we're going to read Matthew. Chapter 1. There's going to be a lot of chapter 1s. Just so you guys know, I'm pretty sure all of my scripture is in chapter (laughs) 1s. Just so you know. Um, So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ So first I just wanna focus on some of the names of Jesus. And around this Christmas holiday season, there's always a bunch of names that everyone hears all the time. Um, I think there's a slide of just a bunch of the names. So first of all, Jesus, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Savior, Messiah, King of Kings, Good Shepherd. And all of these are true. These are all very true things. I'm not going into details about all of them. But I did want to just look at the top two, specifically because those are mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. So, first, the name of Jesus translates to Jehovah is Savior. And in verse 21, the angel tells them to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So, it's sort of this foreshadowing of what Jesus' life was going to be. Like, he is going to be the one who saves us he's the one he's the messiah Lindsay talked a lot about who's going to be this man that stomps on and s- crushes the snake's head and bruises his heel who is that man this is that man and he's the one that's going to be the savior and then the second name emmanuel translates to god with us or some translated as god is with us which is the same thing um, and we read this is a prophecy from isaiah chapter 7 which I'm not going into any of the prophecies because Lindsay did that last week. And that's just way too much research and stuff. So thanks, Lindsay, for doing it. (laughs) Um, So now God is in the flesh. So he's Jesus who's going to be our savior, but also at the same time, he is Emmanuel. God is with us. Jesus is God with us. And he's the one who saves us. So now just having those two understandings of Jesus and what he's going to do, plus him being God with us, this is where I want to turn to John chapter one, and uh, most of these scriptures will be on the screen because I'm going to have you guys flipping a bunch, and this, I wanted to read this just because it's more of an illustrative type of description of Jesus's birth, and I'm very, I learn by pictures, so anything that tells about, hey, ponder this, meditate on this, think of this image, I'm all for that. And then that's where my mind likes to go. So in John chapter 1, we're going to skip around a little bit. I'm not going to read as much as we did in life group. So starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word here is Jesus. So you can interchange those. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And now we're going to skip all the way down to verse 14. And the word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. So as we just focus in on Jesus, And who he is, I'm really looking at him as this supreme, he is God focus. And like I said earlier, he's already came. He's already saved the world. He's already conquered sin and death and defeated it. So I just want to look at some other scriptures that we can see descriptions of who Jesus is as God because we just read in John, he no one has ever seen God. And he who is at the Father's side, who is also God, which is Jesus, he revealed God to us. So I want to look uh, at some, there's two passages we'll read that just have these, like, lists of just who Jesus is. And the first one is Colossians chapter 1 of course. Verse 15, and this says, he is the image of the invisible God. This is Jesus. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, that's just going to have all these things that we just read. That's so many, actually. That looks like so much on the screen. It looks a lot smaller on my notes. Um, But this is Jesus, like, summarized, which is not really summarized because it's a lot of stuff. (laughs) And I'm going to read this list and just pause for a couple of seconds so that we can just let this soak in that this is who Jesus is. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. By Jesus, all things were created. Jesus is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Jesus is the head of the body, which is the church. I know Mitchell mentions that a lot. It's a great reminder. Jesus is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead so that he could be preeminent, which I think Lindsay mentioned that last week. Jesus it has the fullness of God and it dwells in him. And specifically the, that verse for that one says the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in him. So it's like God's fullness was delighted to rest fully inside of Jesus, which is wild. Jesus reconciles all things to himself. And Jesus makes peace by the blood of his cross. And that is Jesus. And what's crazy is that's not even the only list in the Bible. There's a whole other passage that I'm about to read because it's me. And I just want it to really, really soak in who Jesus is. So the next passage is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. So it says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world, So now, same thing. I'm just going to read through this just really nice and slow so that it can just, the weight can just sit in. So Jesus, he is the son of God. He's the heir of all things. Through Jesus, the world was created. Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. This one I like to picture, whatever picture of God comes to my mind, but like the glory is similar to rays of sun, and the rays of sunlight is itself Jesus. So the radiance that's coming off of God is Jesus, is how I like to picture radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. That's wild. The full embodiment of who we think God is was manifested physically in Jesus. Jesus is the upholder of the universe by the word of his power. And the word for word there in this passage is rhema, which is spoken word. So Jesus is speaking and using the power of his words physically speaking to uphold the world. So if he were to stop, the world would probably collapse or something. But that's how my brain thinks. Um, Jesus purified our sins. That's the whole reason he came. And after that, it says he's still alive at the right hand of the majesty on high, which there's a bunch of scriptures that talk about what he's doing up there. He's interceding for us. He's obviously upholding the universe by keeping it where it is. Uh, (laughs) So I'm thankful for for right now. Um, And just the last one, Jesus is superior to the angels. I I put that in there because it I I like ending my passages at a nice period instead of like commas or semicolons. But you know, there's people out there who like just ponder and meditate on angelic beings and are interested in that above everything. So if you were to keep reading Hebrews, it talks about what angels has God ever said, you're the son of God? What angels have any of these words ever been spoken about? None, because Jesus, the name he inherited was son of God. So he's superior to the angels. So if you're one of those people who like to think of my angels, Jesus is better. (laughs) Think about Jesus. I'm trying. (laughs) 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 All right. So with all of these descriptions, the invisible, the image of the invisible God, the Son of God, the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature, the upholder of the universe— I just want to re-look at John chapter one and just reread it now that we have all this new vocabulary, these new phrases in our heads. And I'm gonna reread it a little bit slower. And I'll wait for you guys to turn there. Okay. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So again, everything was made through him. He's the upholder of the universe. He was there at the beginning. And now back down to 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So again, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. That's what we have seen. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And I always just think it's cool that John already knew all this and was the one going before, just proclaiming, Hey, the one who's coming is the one. And it just testifies to it again. Like John was very aware that Jesus was there at the beginning. So verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. So again, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell within him. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, which is the invisible God, the Father, who's been in heaven still. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. So Jesus, the Son of God, is the one who is the image of the invisible God, and he's at the Father's side. So I just love this picture of all three of these passages are literally saying the exact same thing. And this, who I've been talking about for however long I've already been talking, is that baby that was born to Mary and Joseph and that is who we're celebrating with Christmas time. That's, that's who just came into the world. This is the fulfiller of all those prophecies that everyone's been looking for for thousands of years up until then. And that and he came. So now I want to transition into this why sort of part. Why does it still matter? to us thousands of years later. So we have Jesus who is all of these things who is God in the flesh. He came. He lived his life perfectly. He died as a sacrifice for us. He resurrected conquering death and then he ascended to the Father and is still active praying on our behalf. What do we do with that? What do we why would he do that? Why is it, does it matter to us now? And how, wh- what should we do going forward with that information, with that knowledge? And so there's two things that I wanna talk about. The first one's kind of more along the why does this still matter to us part? And then the second point is more, what do we do about that? So, and then these first two points are, we're gonna look at the promise of God to Abraham what was the actual promise? What did God say to Abraham? Why? Because this is the promise that we're kind of following through the whole biblical narrative. And then two, what did Jesus actually even say that we should do? He told us to do something. So what should we do? And uh, we'll get there. So first I just want to hone in on this why and look at the promise that God gave to Abraham. And this is found, where I'm going to read it is in Genesis chapter 22. Verse 16, it'll be on the screen, but just a little bit of context. This is when Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac on whatever mountain it was, I don't remember. And right when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, an angel of the Lord appeared and said, Wait, no, I know now that you are going to do it. I know that you're faithful to do whatever I say, whatever God says you're going to do. So this is the angel of the Lord still speaking. And the word Lord is all caps Lord, so we actually know it is God. Um, So starting in verse 16, it says, and And said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So that's literally the promise that God gave to Abraham. We can read it, and it actually happened. Um, I think there's a slide of me extracting this promise into bullet points. Yes. So, first, blessings to Abraham. Second, God's going to multiply his offspring and specifically, that's how many star- How many stars and sand is there. Who knows? That's how much offspring Abraham's going to have. Who knows? It's a lot. His offspring will possess the gate of his enemies, which is awesome. His offspring will bless all the nations. So that's what the promise is. And the way my brain works is the first time I read this when I was preparing all this and God was putting pieces together my first thought was, God, how can I trust this? How do I know that this is true? And guess what? First of all, God spoke to me. Praise God. Second of all, there's a verse that, like, literally tells us why we can trust it. It's like God knew that there's people like me in the world. (laughs) So this won't be on the screen, but I'm just going to read it and just summarize it. But it's found in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So that last verse, verse 18, it says that there's two things, two unchangeable things that will encourage us that this promise is true and we can look to God and trust him. So the first one is that God just swore on himself. He's the greatest person you can swear on. And in verse 17, it says, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, to those who the promise is for, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So in human nature, an oath is final. That's okay. you know, the word of your mouth is trustworthy by default. I know sometimes it's not like that anymore in today's age, but back then for sure it was. So God swore on himself and made an oath, because I said this, I'm going to do it, and we could trust that. And secondly, God cannot lie. It's against his character. So because he said this thing, it's going to happen, because otherwise he would be a liar, and that's not who God is. So there's these two unchangeable truths of why we know that this promise God told Abraham all those years ago is true and going to happen, which also makes my brain think, okay, well then this whole biblical narrative is probably true and going to happen. (coughs) So then now that we've taken a look at this promise, why does this still matter to us thousands of years later? If you are a believer and have accepted Jesus, the Bible is really clear that you're a new creation and you're born again. And that is pretty much the why. So Paul talks about what he calls the mystery of the gospel a lot in his epistles. And there's like so much theology here that I'm definitely not going into. And um, he explains pretty clearly why this is important. And this is why Jesus died, and this also kind of brings us back to the whole story narrative. And I'm just there's going to be two verses. I think they're on the screen. Is it is it Ephesians? Yeah. So the first one is Ephesians three six. You don't have to turn there. It says this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The second scripture is Galatians 3, verse 29. It says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So this is why I like Paul, because he's like literally, if you're in Christ, you are literally Abraham's offspring. It's very black and white. So he says that we, we Gentiles, unless you're a Jew in here, um, we are fellow heirs, members of the same body, heirs according to the promise. And in, Christ, and in the Galatians verse, we are literally Abraham's offspring. So what does that mean? We, all of us, each one of us, if you're a believer and you're in Christ, you are one of those stars of heaven. You're one of the grains of sand of the seashore that God told Abraham. You, each one of us, will possess the gate of our enemies. We can walk confidently in who Christ is. We are each the ones who will go to the nations and whom the nations will be blessed through us. And in I mean, there's so much on this topic. But Paul in also in Romans, chapter eleven, he talks about the Gentiles being grafted into this tree. And I'm not gonna I'm just gonna give a quick overview of that. Chapter Well, not the whole chapter, but part. And you can think of it like this family tree. Jesus is the tree trunk that all the branches are sprouting off of. The Jews are those natural branches that just naturally occur on this tree trunk. But because Jesus, God in the flesh, came and sacrificed himself for our sins so that we can be reconciled to the Father, now Gentiles can be a part of this same tree. So there was a time when that was not true, but then Jesus came and did, fulfilled what he was supposed to, and now that mystery that people, right after Jesus' ascensions, w- was confused about is that now Gentiles are part of that promise. So now anyone who is an offspring of Abraham, ap- according to this promise, can be one of those branches on the on the trunk, which is Jesus. And there's so many scripture that uses, like, trunk and vine stuff, like John 15, um, and even more why this matters to us is in Romans 11 there's a verse verse 25 that talks about that there's this there's going to be this fullness of the Gentiles coming and that is where we currently are so we are in this waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come before the end basically and that's why this promise still matters because if you're one of Christ's (laughs) Paul is so so clear then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to the promise so and that's where we are there's this we're just waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come and we get a part in that we are an heir to the promise but also that means there's some stuff we have to do while we're waiting for that fullness because the fullness part hasn't come yet and that's why we're I think Lindsay used the phrase now and not yet so like Jesus already came we can walk in that kingdom mindset we have the Holy Spirit with us we can walk in step with the Spirit but Jesus hasn't come back a second time to fully reign for a thousand years so we're in this weird it hasn't quite happened yet so what do we do And that's where I wanna go to the words of Jesus himself with this what do we do part. So it's important because this promise involves us, which is so just awesome that we're all included. We all, it doesn't matter where you've been, what you grew up like, it's for you, you can have it too. So for the words of Jesus, I wanna look at Acts What chapter? Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And it'll be on the screen. It says So when they had come together, which is the disciples, this is right after Jesus resurrected, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So I could have gone to Matthew 28, which is what everyone knows as the Great Commission, but I wanted to look at just the disciples' response because the disciples, they knew all the prophecies, and the law, and all that stuff, most of them, some of them, Um, so they knew that he was supposed to reign, he was supposed to rule, and he is the guy that's supposed to crush the head of the snake, and they're like, whoa, what happened? Why, like, you just came, died, and rose again, that's awesome, so now surely you're gonna rule, because you just proved how powerful you are, and he says, nah, it's not for you to know when that is, and then he just goes up to heaven. <laughs> 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 Leaves them on red. <laughs> so, but he, like, commissioned them. He said, well, in other verses, he says, it's better, actually, for you that I go, because otherwise the Holy Spirit wouldn't come. And so now we know we have the Holy Spirit. But he, he gave this commissioning. You're to be my witnesses when this Holy Spirit comes upon you. To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is like their local city, then the region that they're, the city is in, and then to the outer end of the earth. And that is what we're supposed to do. That is where we are now. So we are supposed to be d- witnesses for God in Springdale, Fayetteville, Bentonville, Rogers, Arkansas, Illinois, America, to the ends of the earth. So God's promise, it included all of the nations of the earth. And this is how God is doing it. He's using us to bless all of the nations of the earth, to bring in that fullness of the Gentiles. That's how the word is spreading. So that the end can come, which Jesus also talks about in Matthew 24, where he mentions that the gospel is going to be proclaimed to all the nations. And so that the fullness of the Gentiles could come, that's how it's going to come, And then the end will come, which Mitchell has a whole series about. (laughs) So band, you guys can come up as I close out. And I just really wanted to take some time this morning. So we looked at who Jesus was and just the supremacy. We can trust that Jesus is God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact radiance of God's glory. He is the exact imprint of God's nature, and we have a part. Like, it's just so, I don't know, I just really love the idea that I'm a guy who I will constantly reflect on David in Psalm 8, where he asks God, who am I that you think about me? So when I think of this kind of stuff, Like, whoa, I am a part of the promise. I am an heir. Even, I mean, this is a totally different thing, but I think in Ephesians chapter one, um, it talks about the Holy Spirit is our guarantee of the inheritance to come. So we have this inheritance as fellow heirs to this promise, and the Holy Spirit is just like the down payment. It's like the 20%. So there's so much more to come because we all know how awesome the Holy Spirit is so I, can only I can actually can't imagine what the rest of it's going to be. So I just wanted, yeah, in this whole message, I just wanted to really just let it sit that this is real. All the prophecies and everything that happened that Mitchell and Lindsay talked about from, like, Old Testament stuff actually happened. Those are real things. What's going on now? We are in this. We need to go out and bring in the fullness of the Gentiles is currently happening. You know, there's missionaries everywhere. My sister's one of them. And then also, there's still a time when Jesus is going to come back. He's going to rule and reign for a 1,000 years. So I just have a few questions that we can end with and just journal. And then the band will go into a song. And I think there's a screen. Oh great. Um, the first question is which description of Jesus really stood out to you or impacted you? So on those lists and they're again they're in Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1. So if you want to go back and reread them you can. But which one stuck out? Which one just really hit you? Like oh I didn't know this one about Jesus. And two I, I stole this one from Mitchell two weeks ago. What is your response to the king of the Jews? You know, similar to the Jews before Jesus' birth, we find ourselves in a waiting period. Jesus is going to come back, and we know it, but he hasn't yet. So when you ponder him coming back to rule and reign, what is your response? Are you one of the wise men? Are you ready to worship and really just bow down and go pursue him? Or are you feeling troubled? Do any insecurities rise up? you can definitely bring those to God and he'll tell you about them and where they're coming from and how you can get freedom from them. And then the last one is, how can you partake in spreading the gospel this holiday season? So this a unique time where family comes in or you go to family and friends and that's what we're called to do. We're commissioned to go spread the gospel. So I'm just going to pray. And then we can journal and then go into a time of worship. Maybe there will be people up here to pray with you. I'm not sure yet. (sighs) Lord God, I just thank you. God, I thank you that you are good and that you have just written this whole narrative and story before the creation of the world. God, you knew each one of us You knew the plan that you had to send your son to be the exact imprint of your nature, the physical manifestation of who you are so that we could see you. Lord, Jesus says those who have seen him have seen the Father. God, I just thank you that you chose to do it that way and that you have chose to create a way for us to be partakers of that promise that you gave to Abraham literally thousands of years ago. God, it still matters. You're going to remember his pro- your promise to Abraham. You remember your promises to the nation of Israel, Lord, and we are partakers in that. And would you just strengthen us and empower us to go to the ends of the earth, Lord, to start locally, Lord. Would we reach Springdale and Fayetteville and just this northwest Arkansas region, and then would that bleed over into the rest of the state and the surrounding states, into the larger America, Lord into the world God I just thank you that we have a part in your name I pray